right, we're back with part three of Go Make Stuff. And we're talking about creativity and why creativity is so important. Um, you know, I, I look at the news most mornings. I probably shouldn't, but I want to know what's going on in the world around me. I just glance at the local news and then I'll hit a couple of, you know, national sites. And, and you know, sometimes I'll look at the conservative view and I'll look at the, uh, I want to see the liberal view too. Somewhere in the middle is the truth. There's actually a website called allsides.com. I think they may even have an app. Which kind of gives you all that? Uh, the Wall Street Journal is—I don't—I'm not—I'm not a subscriber, but I'll read their headlines. I just want to see what's going on. You know, then I'll open up Facebook and just see what's happening in a few people's lives. Do I have any messages? That kind of. Uh, usually, after my devotional time, after you know, I, I'll start my day kind of seeing what's going on in the world. Well, yesterday, you know, I mean, obviously, our world is in turmoil. It has been since Adam and Eve sinned against God. Okay. But we hear about it a lot more today because the news is 365 days a week, 24 hours a day, at coming at us from every angle, trying to generate the worst news that will get the more eyeballs on their apps and their TV uh, channels, and you know, trying to generate advertisers. It, 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 yeah, so just lots of bad news happening. But now it's in front of our face all the time. It can be overwhelming, and I just, you know. I, I want to do something, don't you? I don't want to curse the darkness. I want to bring light. I want to be part of the solution. And I know that creativity is part of that. Creative ideas, I can't change the world. But look, what can God do with my two fish and my five loaves, the little bit that I bring to the table? Apart from him, I can do nothing. He told us that in John. Uh, But with him, he can take my little offering, what I have, and do something to perhaps change someone's life or bring some hope into this world. Sometimes we can think it has to be this award-winning huge idea. Um, sometimes it's just small things that we can do. That We just pray, God, you're, you're the creator. Help me be creative and bring creative solutions to the table for other people. I can't solve the world's problems, but I can be faithful with the potential God has given me. It's said been said in several books I've read that, you know, God's gift to us is our potential. Our gift back to him is what we do with it. And he has put creativity in us. Uh, the older that we get, the more we tend to squelch that. When we're kids, we're just as creative as all get out. And then we learn where the borders are, where we're going to get laughed at if we step outside of this line or that line. And we refuse to make ourselves vulnerable. I talked about that in the last episode. But you know, Sometimes you got to look like a fool to do the creative things that God calls you to do and and have an impact. You know, I think about how the world uses creativity, which is still, God gave them the gift. Sometimes they use it for the wrong reasons. But I, I think about Lady Gaga. Here I am talking about Lady Gaga, which I think is kind of a ridiculous moniker anyway, Lady Gaga, okay? And I'm not dissing on her. She's a brilliant musician. Don't get me wrong. But the creative ideas, I still remember her coming out on stage wearing a meat suit, a suit made out of meat. What? It made an impact. I'm talking about it right now. It seems ridiculous, but it's been part of her creative scheme to rise to the top of the music charts, right? And I'm certainly not advocating, and she is a brilliant musician. I certainly don't advocate all that she has done, but I see the world using create not not afraid to look like a fool to get their point across and so i'm getting kind of yeah going too fast but in the last episode i I talked about being vulnerable and i just want to challenge you to you know 
be creative. Use the creativity that God put in you. When we talked about art, and, and art is really any way that we can take the things that have already been created. We, we can't create anything out of nothing. Only God could do that. But we can take the pieces and put them together to offer creative solutions and hope to other people. And, and again, it does not have to be, I'm preaching to myself here, it doesn't have to be this huge world-changing idea, Okay. Um, recently I, I realized my mom lives in reti- these retirement apartments. Um, everybody's 55 or older and I go there to see her and there's a lot of lonely people there and they have a huge lobby. And I thought, you know, why couldn't we put together, um, a set of music and a very small sound system situation? And do I have the tools right here at my disposal to do that, to maybe just bring a little bit of light into their, you know, dim world? And I started to try to creatively assemble the pieces that I have in my studio. And we do. We have a perfect little setup to do something like that. And perhaps one day we will. Now, that's what I'm talking about, is is using what's already in your hand to somehow put the pieces together and bring some light into this dark world. I've said it time and time again, it doesn't have to be music or painting or that kind of art. It could be a, a way to creatively solve a problem at work, and it doesn't have to be have to be this overtly. I'm doing this thing for Jesus, you know. Um, it could be a, a creative way to start a coffee club. You know, when I was a detective, we had a coffee club uh, in the detective bureau in our offices, and we all pitched in a couple of dollars or whatever, and it paid for all the coffee for all of us. So the pot was always full, twenty four seven. Um, maybe that, yeah, that's a simple thing, maybe already is happening where you work, but that's what I'm talking about is creative ideas that bless other people. And, you know, over the long haul, people will see what you're about. The light will shine gradually. You know, Jesus said, let, let people see your good deeds and glorify God in heaven. So looking for creative ways to do good deeds in this very, very bad place that we live in today. Just by way of quick quick review, um, we talked about in the first few episodes the Ten Commandments of Art. I just called it that. They're they're really suggestions, okay? Um, That thou shalt create art because you were created in the image of God. We have creativity in us. Uh, That thou shalt make love for your neighbor, your motive. That's the goal. Uh, Thou shalt not be afraid to experiment. Don't be afraid to fail. Um, you know, we, we talked about how we usually only know a couple of songs or a couple of works of arts or a couple of creative, creative ideas from people that have made a life of failures to produce those couple of good ideas. Um, then we talked about thou shalt not fear vulnerability, stepping out, taking a risk, um, and, and, you know, n- knowing that that's just part of being creative. Uh, in this episode, I, I want to, you know, I got a dear friend. Actually, I don't know if it's in a legal sense a relative. He is my son Matt's wife's dad. He's been my dear friend since about 1991, Ken Kramer. And he says he said it two or three times in in the, in the last I don't know year or so. Uh, he introduced me as I spoke at one of their events, and he said it on the phone the other day. Uh, a really uh, inspiring and high compliment to me. It, he said, you know, one of the things I admire about you, Mark, is you're not afraid to reinvent yourself. Now, I'm, you know, 
in my mind, I, sometimes I think I'm schizophrenic because we've led anything but a conventional life. Um, but the theme has stayed the same. Somehow, how do we glorify God with the tools that we have? Uh, in other words, you know, I was a youth pastor, I was a worship pastor, I was a police officer, I was, I've sold shoes, I've delivered pizzas, I, I've sold computers, we long, we've been a musician uh, in an evangelistic sense, what we call a musicianary, uh, different things, we've tried different things to promote the gospel. And I have the greatest admiration in the world, by the way, for pastors like Ken Kramer, who have been at the same church for 25, 30 plus years and all that. I have nothing but the greatest admiration for that. Uh, sometimes I feel like, man, have I been faithful? Am I, you know, we've lived such an unconventional life. Well, I, I thought about that and I thought, you know, the Apostle Paul didn't stay at the same church, but the theme remained the same. How can I spread the gospel? How can I bring light into this dark world? How can I bring the light of Christ into this dark world? And that has been our theme for you know, 30 plus years. And, uh, and so, but this idea of reinventing ourselves, okay, is something that we have the power to do. And it doesn't have to be sweeping change, but we have the power to bring about change in our lives and the way that we approach our lives and trying new things. Uh, and, and I'm going to get into the danger of not doing that, hopefully, and one of the points I'm about to give. But let me start with this one. Uh, I guess this is, is this number four or five? This is number five. Thou shalt not wait for inspiration. Sometimes, you know, before we'll take a step to reinvent ourselves or do a creative thing and make a change, we will, we're, we're trying to figure it out. We're, we're trying to be too pragmatic about it. We're trying to you know, check all the boxes and make sure this is going to work. And and when I've got this grant, I'm waiting for this inspiration to strike. And then I'm going to get to work. Well, it's th this quote has been uh, attributed to several writers, but the one I see the most is William Faulkner said this, I only write when I'm inspired. Fortunately, I'm inspired at nine o'clock every morning. Um, <laughs> you know, w momentum has to start somewhere. And that first step from zero to one is sometimes the biggest step. Whatever idea that you have, it, if it's a vision from the Lord to do something, it should be bigger than you. It should maybe even scare you a little bit. Um, but you do it anyway. You start taking the steps that you can take. One, one of the things I often pray for is, is vision, you know. And sometimes I think to myself, I'm thinking, Lord, show me the big picture. Man, if the Lord would have showed me the big picture years ago, it would have scared me way too much to take the first step. Sometimes we can only see the first step or two. Uh, you, you know, for example, um, we're we're living, getting hope. Pray for us. We're we're living out somewhat of a, a vision that I've had for a long time, and and that is to take a solid rehearsed band into prison. Most of what we have done in prisons has been uh, unrehearsed. You know, very, very talented musicians, so we can certainly get up and fake it. 
but we are limited because we didn't rehearse. And we're trying, in what we're doing, we're trying to communicate the greatest value that we can for those that deserve it the least, because we want them to know that it's Jesus in us that causes us to do this. We're not charging a ticket price, we're not, but people are giving sacrificially to put us out here to demonstrate how much Jesus is a champion of the underdog. Aren't you thankful he's a champion of the underdog? He really is. And so for years, really, I've written in my journal the prayer, Lord, would you give us a band, a consistent band? We could rehearse. We could do it right. And, and don't get me wrong. We've been able to do some wonderful, wonderful, I guess, shows or ministry presentations in prison. Most recently, the last couple of years, the bulk of what Susan and I have done has been me playing guitar and us singing to drum and bass tracks and keyboard tracks that were done professionally in a studio that many of you helped us record right off of their album tracks, uh, the Plunder's album tracks. And, uh, and the guys love it because, it, you know, it's, it's still exciting, it's loud, and it's very different than what they usually get. But when you bring in a band and you have all these different personalities, there's just a chemistry that can be communicated, and plus everyone else has a different story. So it's been a vision to do that. And, uh, but no way in my mind I could see that it was possible, like, you know, because our heart was to cover the expenses and even compensate the musicians that come along. Um, the, the used professional guys, that that's the standard, right? Um, we're not, we're not, sometimes we can look for people that have this deep, high and holy calling to, to go into ministry, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> and, uh, and unfortunately, um, it, the, the, skill level or or the devotion because they're giving some it's in our nature that if we're volunteering to do something we may not bring our a game and so we wanted to make sure and you know many times these guys that we've compensated in the past for different different events you know here and there we've been able to do that they turn around and give back whatever we gave them because they were so blessed to be a part of of what we do when they see the effectiveness of it but nonetheless, my point here is we can't be afraid to take that first step. We've, momentum starts somewhere. And so I, I began on this, you know, as we were planning this tour, come, we're doing the Parchman Farm, which is, I've talked about it in previous episodes, huge, huge event. And we really wanted to bring our A game. And I just began to dream. I thought, well, how can we do this? And what can I do with what I have in my hand right now? And, and so I just began. The, f the first thing I did is I cleared out my studio and made room for a drum kit. I've never had a drum kit up here. I don't have a drummer to play a drum kit, but I could do that. I cleared the room. I didn't have a drum kit. And, and then I was like, well, you know, what's next? And then I thought, you know, well, I, we, the drummer that we're using is down in Florida. Uh, we would have to fly him up here to rehearse. And we'd have to get a drum kit. Well, I'm not going to go through the whole story, but let me just tell you that once I began to move, I began to get excited and I began to get uh, some momentum going. And, and needless to say, we now have a drum kit up here and our drummer is flying in the last week of February and we've got three days of rehearsal schedule uh, where I think we're going to bring the tightest band that we've ever brought into prisons and hopefully do uh, even more creative things musically than we've ever been able to do. And 
you know, that's a huge part of building the bridge to share the message of the gospel with these men and women in prison. So my point is, I'm telling you our story, and, and is that we've got to start somewhere. Don't sit around and wait for writing on the wall. Take the step that you can that's in even a baby step in the direction of what you're trying to do. Start, you know. Um, I know there's uh, one listener that has played music, I guess, for a while and and recently stepped out and started playing in front of people. Well, that gets momentum going. You know, if you fail, well, you've learned something. Get back up and, and do it better. With if Look at that feedback and go, well, how can I do it better? If you succeed, then you're motivated. Keep going. How do I how do I grow? But don't sit around and wait for inspiration to strike. Sometimes inspiration comes from perspiration, starting and doing the hard work. Okay, enough about that one. The next one, uh, well, I, I want to say this: the consistency still under that point is intensity. I've, I've said that before, over and over. I read an article this morning about how someone got fit by running. They started jogging one minute a day, but they made sure they put their running shoes on, they put their sweats on or whatever, and they ran for that one minute. Well, of course, once you've got your shoes on, once you've got your clothes on, once you're outside or you're on that treadmill, the tendency is going to be to increase that, isn't it? The hardest thing we have, uh, the hardest thing to do sometimes is be consistent with little steps. And so... Don't sit around and wait for inspiration. Start taking those little steps in the direction you want to go. All right. The next one, thou shalt embrace solitude. And I think this one is really important when it comes to creativity. I think one of the best definitions I've ever read of the word solitude is in the context I'm speaking is that solitude is the time you spend alone with your own mind apart from the input of other minds. In other words, you're not reading, you're not, you know, scrolling on your phone or computer, you're not even listening to music. Uh, Isn't it amazing? Sometimes, have you ever gotten an idea while you were in the shower or woke up and you're still laying in the bed first thing in the morning or maybe at night when you're starting to go to bed when there's no, you're just alone with your own mind in those scenarios. Um, and it's in, in those moments that our, our thoughts begin to link together and ideas come. Um, isn't it amazing how many times Jesus slipped away by himself? Most often to pray. And when I say with your own mind, of course, God is involved in that, okay? Um, it's almost, it can be a form of prayer. Uh, sometimes you just need to sit and be still. Sometimes prayer is just sitting in the presence of Jesus. My good friend and a young man that I've had the privilege of mentoring through the years, especially in his teen years. He's now, I guess, in his 40s. The kids are grown. Um, but he has a blog. It's Jason A. Hess, dot com. He wrote an article called Collect for Stillness. Now, Jason is an Anglican father of, of some sort. I forget which branch. I know it's Anglican, and I know we call him Father Jason now. Um but I'm going I'm to quote some of what he said, but I encourage you to go to Jason A. Hess and read that article. Um, Jason, I would describe perhaps as a, a bit of a stoic. Uh, but he says, 
there's plenty of time to voice petitions and intercessions. But first and foremost, we must simply be in his presence. We must intentionally find time to sit with Jesus. I know, I know it's hard. Distractions are everywhere, which begs the question, how come we can sit and watch a sunset with a loved one and not say a word, but we find it so hard to sit with Christ and not say a word? Then he quotes Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. He goes on to say, when we are unsettled, disheveled, frazzled, feeling like we are in a tailspin and even lost, the Lord says to just immerse in him, sit with him, trust the slow work of God, be still, for in that we discover not only him, but also ourselves. Be still, or being still, requires us to discover and confront ourselves, including our fears, anxieties, hopelessness, and despair. It's in stillness that true faith and strength is built. We're talking about being creative for the sake of kingdom come, right? We, we want to, in some way, play our part in bringing the kingdom of God to earth. Well, how can we be creative like that without spending time listening to the one who has commissioned us? And, and I mean, you know, sometimes I, I am a doer. I am a doer. I always want to be doing, doing, doing. But I've, I've made it a habit of late, especially I read a book on solitude. I think the first time I read that definition was in a book by Cal Newport. I don't know. But the importance of just sitting in the presence of the Lord, communing with him, but not, not asking for this and asking for that, just kind of just sitting and thinking. Sometimes we get very uncomfortable like that. But it's a good place to be, and, and ideas can happen there. It's uncanny how many times my, the Lord has redirected my day uh, when I've taken time to stop, slow down, and be still and just sit. Uh, I do that most mornings now. Even if it's for five minutes, I usually get up before my wife, and I'll just sit in my chair. I'll, I'll do my devotions, my journaling, and that kind of thing. And then sometimes I'll just sit there and think. And I was doing it yesterday morning, and if you noticed... Um, maybe you haven't, but we've been using a logo for the plunders, our, our musical moniker, uh, that includes the tree of life. Well, that means a great deal to me. You may not even be able to see around the borders of that logo. If you've seen it anywhere, it says no reserves, no retreats, no regrets. There's such a backstory to that uh, and what happened to my brother and all that. There's a, a deep meaning there to us, the tree of life. I was sitting there and I was thinking, you know, I, I'm not even sure. I know the Bible talks about the tree of life. Now, this is in solitude. And, I, and I'm like, but what, what does the Bible? I know the tree of life is present in, in Genesis. You know, it says that uh, Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but there was also another tree. It was called the tree of life. Well, they were banished from the garden because God didn't want them to eat from the tree of life. Well, that, you know, that's kind of puzzling. Now, again, this is kind of sitting alone with my own thoughts and thinking about this. I thought, well, why is that? And, and then I, I, I did pick up my phone and I did a little study on it. But again, the thought came during a period of solitude. And what I read, one article was about, you know, how the tree of life, uh, if they would have eaten of that, then they would have lived in a forever in a perpetual state of disobedience. They were in sin. They would have lived forever in sin. And then, of course, the, the tree of life is all, it's mentioned several places in Scripture, but it's mentioned in the book of uh, Revelation. 
talks about that those of us that have received Jesus, we're in a perpetual state of righteousness for eternity, and we will eat of the tree of life. Now, here's where the creative idea came in. It was like, well, that's a that's a good message. And, you know, I, I thought, I don't know. I, I started looking up. I, I thought, maybe I, I want a necklace or a bra- I wanted a bracelet. I wear a bracelet when it's part of the show, our little uniform. I wear some rings that have meaning to me. You've probably seen them in pictures if you've seen me playing guitar on my right hand. Um, there's a story behind those rings. And I wear a bracelet. And I thought, I wonder if there's the bracelet's funny. I stole it from my mom's Avon collection when I was like 16. So it has some some sentimental meaning. But I thought, you know, maybe to communicate this tree of life message, maybe that's part of what we're supposed to do this year. And as I was looking for stuff, I'm, I'm a maker. I thought, well, what if we made our own stuff? So last night I ordered, it cost $50 to order the material for us to make these tree of life necklaces, just a little charm that hangs as the tree of life to maybe use as, a, as something to share with people, to put on our, I hate to call it a product table. We, we really take donations for whatever people will give us at our table when we do churches. It's more about the message. Lord knows if, if we made our living and our ministry off of what we sell, we'd be in trouble. Uh, we really want to commute. God is our provider. We want to communicate the message. And my whole point of this is that that idea whether it's a winner or a loser in the long run, I don't see how it can't be a winner, the message of the tree of life. Uh, but the idea of the necklaces, uh, giving people something, you know, that kind of thing. Who knows? Think about it. Someone uh, picks up one of those necklaces we're doing a church on Sunday. We'll be at Living Waters Church um, out in Matthews County, Virginia, with a dear friend, Grady Brown. Uh, we're going to hopefully have some by then. But think about this. You're wearing that at work, and someone goes, I like that necklace, and it opens the door for you to talk about what it means. Now think about the eternal impact of a simple charm hanging around your neck. Well, my point again is that the idea to do that, I didn't get up thinking, I gotta come up with a creative idea. I was just sitting alone in the presence of the Lord and and thinking about it. And, And so solitude is often where ideas, where the Holy Spirit can speak to us. We're not too busy, we're not, our minds aren't all over the place. And, and sometimes it can be very uncomfortable at first, uh, but just sitting, maybe meditating on a scripture, but thinking, thinking about your priorities, asking yourself questions. Solitude is a vital part, I believe, of being creative. I think I can at least start this next one, uh, the next commandment of creativity, and, and that is, thou shalt seek a creative space. Uh, By that, I mean that sometimes we need to put ourselves in places that inspire us, that make us think bigger. You know, if if you are a pastor of a small church, putting yourself in a bigger church and looking at what they're doing, don't be jealous for or jealous of, be jealous for. It should inspire you, right? Don't let insecurity get get in the way that someone's doing something bigger than you. Let it inspire you. Uh. A change of venue, a place, can have a huge impact on your creativity. Uh, Yeah, I've got a lot of friends, or several friends anyway, that are retired cops. There's a separate, uh, there's a Facebook group, and a bunch of us are in there, and then they're my personal friends on my personal page. And some of them, uh, their world is shrinking since they retired. 
I, I, they appear to be dying a slow death, probably with a beer in their hand and their phone in the other hand, playing on Facebook or a remote control and just shrinking back until they die. Uh, I'm, I'm not indicting anybody. I just kind of picture that. And some of the other, they got kind of a negative view. They, they, they don't see their world and, what, and the impact they can have beyond what they did as a police officer. Well, the Bible tells us that the path of the righteous winds upward, that even in old age, we bear fruit, right? So I want to constantly be moving forward, and sometimes I've got to get out of my recliner and put myself in places that are unfamiliar, maybe even uncomfortable, that challenge me and maybe let me see new problems and dream up solutions to those problems, Uh, We can be inspired by spending time with other creative people, whether that's going to a conference. I'm I'm preaching myself here. You know, uh, going to, for me, going to a concert and and watching how they do things. You know, inevitably, if I go to a concert and I'm inspired, I'll come home and and write a new song or I'll come up with a a new lick or a new way to do it, you know, because I've seen somebody that's out in front of me in that area and I put myself in a place that may have cost me time, it may have cost me money, it may have cost me comfort to get up out of my recliner and put myself in a place that would, you know, hopefully open up some creative pores. Uh, You know, for example... Uh, not long ago, uh, well, it's probably been five years or more ago, I was part of a program in prisons. Uh, We helped launch this program that is a wonderful program. Coming up on the finish line here, guys, give me a couple of minutes overtime and I'll finish this point. But uh, there was a lot of deep, deep spiritual, it's a curriculum, a lot of deep spiritual stuff and even weird spiritual stuff to me. Some of the things that were being taught, even though I love these people, there was some strange stuff, okay, stuff that I felt was maybe not heretical, but definitely weird, okay, doctrinal stuff that just seemed to step outside of convention. And it it, it made me, well, it led me and Susan to spend Easter at an Orthodox church. I've never been to an Eastern Orthodox church, but there was one in the area that we were at. I began to read on Orthodoxy. I was kind of looking for pure Christianity, okay? Um, what what have we believed as a church for generations and generations and generations? What do the Orthodox say? Well, first I took a look at the Catholics and realized that the Catholics came out of the Orthodox. That's another story. So the Orthodox Church <coughs> claims to have a direct apostolic line from the original apostles. It's existed since the beginning of the church. It was different. Trust me, if you've never been to an Orthodox church, it was it was weird in a good way. Um, it was like, you know, uh, they did communion. It was, it was solemn. It felt holy. You would have never got your phone out in that service to look at Facebook, even to take notes or use the Bible. Um, there were there was good things and things I you know I was like that's a little weird. But out of all of that came the idea that. We, as, as believers, at least our ministry, has to offer biblical, practical solutions for how to live life and not dabble too much in the deep doctrinal things. And the reason for that is that there are loads of people coming into prisons with a Bible under their arm, 
teaching doctrinal things. And, and that's a messy, messy world, and I'm not afraid of it. I just feel like our call is to, hey, how do I apply biblical principles to living my life? You know, what are practical things? So putting myself in both of those environments, as a matter of fact, the one, the program in the prisons that was teaching some stuff that was kind of just a little flighty, and then going to an Orthodox church where things were just really stringent, and this is, you know, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, very... Uh, what's liturgical, uh, made me realize that, you know what, uh, I, I have deep doctrinal beliefs, and if need be, I'll share those. But for the most part, I realize that the audience that we're speaking to in prisons come from a myriad of backgrounds when it comes to church and doctrine and all that. So I'm not going to dabble there and chase away the Catholics or chase away the Pentecostals, or, but I'm going to try to bring very practical biblical Jesus. And of course, we're going to preach the basic gospel that we all agree on, lead people to Jesus. But if I'm going to teach, I'm going to teach things that are very practical, more on the felt need side of things. Now, whether you agree with that or not um, doesn't tremendously matter. The, the point I'm trying to make, I mean, to, to what we do, is that putting myself in these different places kind of inspired me to lean in that direction. So maybe you need to put yourself in a new and different and unfamiliar, challenging place, something you've never experienced. Maybe geographically, maybe it's traveling across the globe, maybe it's taking a walk, you know, and sitting in a park you've never sat in. Uh, I've talked about when I went out and played music with secular guys that didn't know I was a pastor. That opened up everything that is life on the verge today. And so I'll end there. I went over time. I apologize. I hope you're getting something out of this. And I pray to God that you are asking him and you're thinking, and how can I put the created things together to offer creative solutions that help the kingdom of God invade earth? Bless you. Have a great week. Sometimes falling angels fly Just a reminder that Life on the Verge is a debt-free, fully donor-funded 501c3. All your gifts are tax-deductible, and we appreciate them. You can find out more at Life on the Verge, make your donation there, or you can find the address to mail your gift to. Thanks again for listening. We appreciate you so much. God bless.